Blog Talk Radio. I'm Robert Rogers, and you have just connected to Parkinson's Recovery. If you were hoping to be able to find a place, a time, where you could come and get information that can help you get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's, you come to the right place and the right time. I've just released the second edition of my book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. Many of you keep asking me, is it done? Is it done? I finally finished. It took me four times longer than I thought it would, but I finally finished it, and it's now available, either download or print book. And the information can be found at www.parkinsonsdisease.me. All the information I've discovered over the last five years of ways that people are getting sustained relief from the symptoms that they currently experience that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. We have an exciting show for you today. Diagnosed. In September 2009, at the age of 80, John Shappy blogs about Parkinson's disease on his blog, which is http slash slash parkinsonsand5htp.blogspot.com. A Washington, D.C. resident, he pursues many interests, including gardening, bridge, travel, biking, and Internet research. His blog, Aging and Parkinson's and Me, is designed to be a place for seniors dealing with Parkinson's and other afflictions to share their experience, strength, and hope. John, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Well, I'm very glad to be here, Robert. I've admired the, the work you're doing on your blog and on blog radio, so I'm I'm delighted to participate. Tell everyone about yourself. Well, let's see, 80 years of uh, a life filled with uh, a, a lot of serendipity. I uh, uh, grew up in Ithaca, New York, and... Uh, uh, attended Cornell because uh, that was there, and I didn't have money to uh, 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 go elsewhere to college. Cornell's a strange institution, many don't realize. It's a combination of uh, an endowed college, uh, college uh, university, uh, mixed in with some state schools. And I had worked for a year after high school to save up money, and uh, so I started in the Arts and Science Endowed College at Cornell, and after a year and a half, I ran out of money, and I realized that if I was going to continue my education, it would have to be in a state college within Cornell, and at that time, the choices were agriculture, home economics, or industrial and labor relations. Given those three options, I, of course, picked uh, industrial and labor relations and serendipity at work that became my lifetime uh, career. Uh, I went on to law school at Cornell for a few years and then uh, due to uh, problems I had and continued to have for a number of years with alcohol, I got expelled from uh, Cornell Law School and March of my uh, third year in school when I was managing editor of the Law Review and and uh, uh, and the expulsion was due to alcoholism-related con- uh, conduct. And again, serendipity came into play uh, thanks to uh, a reference from uh, the head of the library. just lost the connection with John, which sometimes happens. Uh, This is Robert Rogers. You're listening to Parkinson's Recovery. What I'm now going to do is dial back in through the control panel, and we'll be able to reach him in just a minute as he was telling his story about involvement at uh, Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. 
So I'm dialing them right now. Hello. Hi there. Somehow we got disconnected. We're back in and on the air. So everybody's on the seat of their chair. I'm going to take this phone and throw it out the window. (laughs) If I'm not careful and I'm talking on the phone and press it too closely uh, uh, against my face, my cheekbone hits the off button. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was my fault and we'll hope I can avoid that happening uh, in the future. Uh, if you want, I'll pick up where uh, we got disconnected. That sounds great. Okay. So uh, uh, getting kicked out of uh, law school I thought was the worst thing that could have happened to me. It turned out to be the best, uh, thanks to a reference from the head of the library where I was working, uh, my, uh, going to school, to the uh, uh, executive editor at uh, an organization called the Bureau of National Affairs here in Washington. It sounds government, but it's not. It's uh, a completely 100% employee-owned publishing company uh, that specialized in reporting on uh, labor relations and employee relations. And uh, so I uh, ended up within a month starting off at a beginning editorial job there and spent my next 40 years in a very rewarding and, uh, and uh, uh, wonderful career at, uh, at the company that's known as BNA, uh, being an employee-owned company, uh, uh, and a successful organization. It uh, uh, encouraged employees to buy stock in the company, and uh, the company stock uh, rose uh, over the years an average of 15 to 20 percent each year. So that uh, provided me with a, a good financial base, but even more important, the work. Uh, in employee relations, uh, I found very satisfying and, and rewarding. So after, uh, uh, oh, also while working there within the first two years I was there, I had met and then married a, uh, a woman who was also uh, working at BNA, and uh, we had, had two children. Uh, uh, she died uh, over 30 years ago, uh, but my unusual for families these days in the United States, I'm fortunate in that my two children, my son and daughter, and my son's three children, my three grandchildren, and now uh, my second great-grandchild was just born uh, a week ago. So, and all of them are still in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, so I'm uh, unusually blessed in that regard. Uh, but when I uh, retired from BNA, a, uh, I had been using a psychologist uh, who specialized in assessment and development work with executives, and she did a pre-retirement planning uh work up on me, and her bottom line conclusion was that in order to, for me to have a uh, rewarding and satisfying retirement, I should find something to do that would involve research and writing and helping others. And now, 16 years after my retirement, I find this blog on uh, Parkinson's issues and issues of aging and uh, uh, and uh, living a uh, a good life uh, with uh, despite aging and Parkinson's uh, involves uh, research and writing and helping others that uh, was recommended and so I'm I'm very pleased with how things have ended up and again largely serendipity at work but. Uh, it's uh, it's it's all turned out well. 
you were diagnosed uh, approximately a year and a half ago. What are the symptoms that you confronted back then and confront now? I realize now that I had, uh, uh, of course, Parkinson's a number of years before being diagnosed, uh, about four years before the actual diagnosis, I had told my uh, internist that I'd lost a sense of smell. And he said, oh, don't, don't worry about that. That happens with age. And then a couple of years later, I told him that I noticed my right arm was not uh, swinging naturally any longer as I walked. And he said, oh, you know, don't, don't worry too much about that. And then maybe a year after that, I t- told him I was having some problems with balance. And so he sent me to a physical therapist. I think the physical therapist had me diagnosed right away, but he didn't want to, uh, you know, contradict my internist. But he kept asking me, have you told your internist about the fact your right arm doesn't swing? And uh, finally, my my son and daughter, uh, concerned about this, suggested I see a neurologist. And uh, that resulted in the uh, uh, the diagnosis. And I don't have the tremor. Uh, my uh, my main problem has been the uh, the balance. But I also realize now that I uh, was also suffering from the uh, depression that often that accompanies Parkinson. Often it often accompanies it. And uh, I had, and I, <laughs> I get scared every time I think about how close I came to, to this. Because of the depression and because not knowing what was going on, I assumed the problems I was having were just normal aging and were destined to only get worse. I had decided to sell my house, which I love, in a neighborhood that I love, and uh, look at moving into a retirement, uh, a senior retirement residence. I found one that I liked uh, in the heart of the city in Washington. I'm a city person, and, and you know, I, if in later years a uh, retirement home seems to make sense, I probably would go to move to the home. But I am delighted that I did not act upon that and got the diagnosis and and uh, thanks to 5-HTP, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, the depression issue is, is no longer. And I'm back to thoroughly enjoying my house and uh, I've thrown myself into gardening in the last couple of years with my usual obsessive compulsive tendencies but I'm thoroughly enjoying that, and uh, so I'm, I'm uh, once again, serendipity uh, came into play, and I did not act upon my tentative uh, uh, decision to uh, sell the house and move, and, uh, so I'm very happy with that. The blog that you started is titled Parkinson's and 5-HTP. It's not entitled Parkinson's and Exercise or Parkinson's and Diet. It's called Parkinson's and 5-HTP. Some people have the idea that 5-HTP is a rare plant in Chile. Other people have the idea that 5-HTP is an animal in the Congo, and still others have this sense that perhaps 5-HTP is a galaxy somewhere out there in the ethers. Tell everybody what in the world 5-HTP really is. Well, 5-HTP is an over-the-counter supplement that's basically a serotonin uh, booster uh, uh, to uh, have your brain uh, process more serotonin which is the uh, brain chemical that uh, uh, deals with mood. And uh, I had uh, 
previous bouts of insomnia and all, and which we could get into later if you want. And during one of those bouts, I found I got more help from 5-HTP than I did from prescribed medication. So um, when I was originally diagnosed with Parkinson's, the neurologist I was then working with recommended that I take Elevil uh, as the antidepressant. It's an old-line antidepressant that he felt worked well with people with Parkinson's. And it it uh, helped me immediately with the depression and with the insomnia that I was having. But I was concerned because I was feeling groggy in the morning, and I uh, gained about uh, 5 to 10 pounds while I was on the Elvo. So I wasn't too happy with that. And then uh, I switched to a new neurologist, uh, I'm still working with and I'm very pleased with uh, Dr. Laxman Baru at Georgetown University Hospital. And he expressed concern about ELVO because uh, it has some possible cognitive side effects. And uh, since, you know, like I think most of my contemporaries who I talk to, uh, uh, dementia is one of our uh, biggest fears. I didn't want to do anything that uh, would uh, have a danger of uh, cognitive impairment. So I uh, uh, decided on my own to give 5-HTP a try again, and I am delighted. I've been delighted with the results. But I also, as I uh, continued the use of 5-HTP, I began thinking, well, you know, this, and I did research on it on the Internet and saw some uh, findings, some suggestions that 5-HTP might work particularly well with people with Parkinson's. But there wasn't, you know, much uh, in the way of uh, real research on this. And instead, uh, many of the the places you would normally go to check out a supplement, uh, the two that I tend to favor are a Mayo Clinic website and WebMD's website, had uh, cautions about uh, using 5-HTP uh, because of a possible uh, in condition and possible contamination problems. And, uh, but nevertheless, I had found it worked so well with me. Uh, I, uh, well, also my, my daughter, who is a journalist uh, working in the healthcare and employee benefits area, uh, she did her own research. And she expressed concern about these reported uh, side effects. And so I uh, did more research on that, and I was really surprised at what I found. Uh, I can understand, you know, uh, the concern that people would have on tentatively uh, on the surface researching 5-HTP because you see one site after another that has these warnings about uh, the skin condition and the uh, contamination. But then I checked out each one of those sites, and it turns out I was uh, I was suspicious because each time this uh, concern was expressed. It was, it was expressed in exactly the same language. What I found out was that uh, because of the way uh, Internet research works, all these people were coming up. Well, for instance, if uh, somebody, some uh, research study were being done on something uh, unrelated to 5-HTP, but they might cite uh, a, 
particular study done about 5-HTP. So what I'm I'm making this more confusing than I need to. It turned out that there was one uh, small study done in Switzerland 30 years ago or so that showed uh, uh, a woman who had a skin condition uh, that might have stemmed from her use of 5-HTP. And then there was another study that... uh, and that showed possible contamination of a particular lot of 5-HTP. And uh, what had happened was those two very small uh, studies became cited and quoted and uh, in other studies, uh, and, uh, and yet on the other side, when you... Uh, do more research on 5-HTP, you find that it's been widely used, particularly in Europe, uh, with no uh, signs of, uh, of uh, any serious side effect. The thing that, that is, as, uh, I find are ironic is that uh, you find these warnings on uh, reputable websites about 5-HTP that uh, discourage people from using it. And and it turns out that there's very little basis for these warnings. And yet, then you, you know, compare them with the typical uh, TV commercial we hear for Ambien and, and other uh, uh, prescribed medications, which have this you know, required, FDA required long lists of warnings about the horrific things that could happen from the prescribed medications. So uh, being frustrated at uh, at all of this, and I talked with my neurologist about this and, and uh, uh, you know, complained that, that uh, uh, 5-HTP, which I thought, might be of help to other people as it has helped me was getting so little attention and he he said well it's it's probably never going to get much attention because the drug companies are never going to sponsor uh, serious research on uh, an over-the-counter supplement that can uh, be purchased relatively cheaply and uh, uh, with no potential for profit uh, for others, and so all of this uh, frustration, uh, I decided to uh, uh, start my own blog. Initially, I started the blog with the idea of just you know trying to get word out on 5-HTP, and then uh, uh, I began broadening it to uh, Parkinson's research generally. And then a couple of months ago, I decided to broaden it further because I found that much of what I was dealing with personally and and uh, and looking into uh, dealt with aging issues generally, not just Parkinson's issues. And so I've decided to uh, broaden the blog to just uh, aging and aging uh, with uh, dealing with various afflictions, and uh, uh, you know, I have a guest post from a uh, good friend of mine, a woman who uh, has struggled with uh, serious cancer issues, but she uh, uh, she did a guest blog, uh, a, a very moving one, on the support she's gotten from her women's cancer survivor group. So in any event, uh, I, you know, Started the blog mainly because of my concern about uh, uh, so little uh, being said about 5-HTP, but as I've gone on with it, it's uh, just been uh, gradually broadened, uh, and uh, and also you know I'm thinking more these days about emphasizing more uh, the uh, the joys of living, uh, not just 
uh, focusing on disease and uh, and aging and dying uh, because that's where I find myself. Five HTP is an over-the-counter serotonin booster, as I understand it. Where do you actually acquire your five HTP, and does it matter what brand somebody actually experiments with? Uh, I, there, uh, there are uh, you know reputable uh, 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 supplement uh, uh, providers. And uh, you can find, I've found it uh, on, at times, in my local CVS pharmacy. I find it uh, particularly at uh, 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 the pharmacy that uh, Whole Foods, uh, the su- supplement uh, section that the Whole Foods stores have. And I find it online. I've... Uh, uh, I've tended to use the uh, uh, Puritan, I forget the second name of it, but Puritan uh, is a website uh, that has uh, uh, a good price. I I use it, for instance, for the uh, COQ10, which is a supplement that has, uh, uh, studies have shown, may uh, help slow the progression of Parkinson's. And uh, uh, I purchased that from the Puritan website as well as 5-HTP. I've I found uh, I did have a problem with 5-HTP on on overdosing myself with it, with the result that I had uh, spikes in blood pressure that uh, were of some concern a, a month or so ago. And uh, you know, as as a recovering alcoholic, I I should be more uh, aware of my tendency to. Uh, 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 I've often joked that I li- lead my life by May West precept of anything worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> so once once again, I was overdoing it on the five HTP. But I've found that if I limit myself to the 50 milligram 5-HTP at uh, an hour before bedtime, it works just fine. Uh, if I go much beyond that, I uh, I have the uh, the blood pressure spikes. But you know, with 5-HTP as with everything else, I've come across an experience. Uh, it's also very individualistic. Uh, I know uh, the uh, man who leads our Parkinson support group said something that I found very helpful and meaningful, and I'll just translate it to my own name, that I have two diseases. I've got Parkinson's disease and I've got John Chappie's disease. Uh, I think all of us... uh, Parkinson's is a very individual and idiosyncratic uh, disease, and all of us experience and react uh, differently. And I think the same thing is true with the use of most medication. So even though you know 5-HTP has worked in a particular fashion with me, there's no uh, guarantee that it's going to work uh, the same way with somebody else. You have had some horrible encounters and experiences with insomnia. Tell listeners about those. Well, looking back on it, it's it's, uh, funny, but it wasn't funny at the time. For, uh, oh, I think possibly 10 years I had this peculiar insomnia where uh, in going to bed at night, would start as I would start to doze off. I would experience sort of a jerk uh, with my body, and then I would be wide awake for hours. And uh, I found uh, experimenting with all sorts of things, and uh, 
sleep medications and everything else that uh, didn't particularly help. But I finally found that if I just bunked out on the couch in my living room, I could get a good night's sleep, but I could never get a good night's sleep in my in my bedroom. And, uh, you know, this went on for years. <laughs> and uh, I laughed because I, I uh, feel so stupid I didn't figure this out sooner. I've always been addicted to uh, naps. I started uh, an afternoon nap when I was in law school. So it was the only way I could stay awake for a 2 o'clock class. And throughout my working career and my retired life, I've uh, almost invariably taken an afternoon nap. And I found that I could take my afternoon naps in the bedroom with no problem at all, none of this... uh, body jerk and dozing off. So it belatedly and finally occurred to me, maybe I should install blackout curtains in the bedroom because there was a street light across the street that even with the uh, uh, Venetian blinds pulled shut, uh, some light was coming through. So I put in the blackout blinds and I've I've been able to sleep just fine in the bedroom ever since. Uh, and so that that took care of that problem. Then uh, for uh, most of the past decade, I've been uh, traveling to uh, the Indian subcontinent. I've had good friends and a family I've kind of adopted in uh, Nepal. Pokhara, Nepal. So I was going uh, at least once and usually twice a year to that part of the world and in dealing with the jet lag and the long flights going and coming, uh, I was using uh, Tylenol PM, which I found had worked as uh, as a good sedative with me. And then I was also at times using the prescribed uh, sleep medication Ambien. And again, with my tendency to overdo things, uh, on uh, one trip I continued to uh, take the uh, Tylenol PM throughout my uh, two-week stay and in Nepal, and then continued it uh, on coming back, and then I was also uh, giving it a booster shot with a half of a tablet of Ambien, and at the end of my first week of return, I was suddenly uh, had a panic attack and depression like I had never experienced before in in my life. And, uh, you know, that led to what I referred to as the summer from hell because I went to uh, my internist and uh, and to a a, a psychiatrist who specialized in medications and sleep centers, and uh, every place I went I would describe what had happened, and I would suggest that the 5-HGP and Ambien might have something to do with the problem, and yet everybody I was dealing with would hear panic attack and depression and get out their prescription pads. And that summer I went through at least a half dozen different uh, antidepressants and uh, uh, insomnia uh, prescribed medications, none of which did any good and most of which made things worse. But fortunately, the the psychiatrist that I was working with uh, said he he was not convinced that uh, prescribed medication was always the answer. And he finally suggested that I should try a holistic 
uh, uh, approach to finding a solution. And uh, so I tried uh, hypnosis, which didn't really work, but the uh, hypnosis therapist that I was seeing mentioned a book called The Insomnia Solution. And so in my desperation, I got that book, and it uh, had a number of exercises that it suggested uh, for dealing with insomnia. And and I, I laugh because this sounds so hokey, but one of the exercises involves something called a, a secret handshake, where you uh, arrange your uh, your hands in, some, in a particular way, uh, and then you do a sort of uh, meditation exercise and count. And it turned out I uh, started using that, and gradually things. Uh, got better and better, and uh, sleep returned to uh, to normal. And I I still use that uh, uh, that exercise. Uh, uh, now I I've uh, I've found that uh, <laughs> this gets gets us drifting into another area. Uh, one of the things I've benefited benefited from is a recommendation for a exercise program to deal with incontinence, which has meant that I now only get up once a night rather than four or five times as I used to. But I I usually wake up three or four in the morning and make a bathroom visit. And then often from my past experience, getting back to sleep at three or four in the morning can be a problem. So I've started doing meditation at that, uh, using the secret handshake and other things, which I've described in my blog, including a muscle relaxation exercise. And I've now found that uh, I usually end up meditating for uh, an hour or so and then easily go back to sleep. And that three or four o'clock in the morning, which used to be the the dreaded hour has now become one of my favorite times of the day because I uh, I really uh, uh, find that I enjoy and benefit from the uh, the meditation. So that's that's my insomnia story. It's called a secret handshake meditation. It sounds like, however, you've actually let the secret out on your blog, so people can go to your blog and see actually, the I, secret revealed. A, Is that right? Uh, well, in one of the postings I have on the blog, I I uh, have a photo of the uh, the secret handshake. That uh, it's you know it's a simple thing. It's just a matter of wrapping uh, one hand around uh, the thumb of the opposite hand and. Uh, and uh, uh, and the same with the forefinger of the other. It's it's a little con- hard to explain, but it's very simple to see and do. Uh, and I actually, I, after you know finding this so beneficial, uh, I happened across a uh, in my internet research a study done at the uh, Cornell Medical School in New York City, where they were doing. Uh, uh, biofeedback to train people in uh, in getting a sense of warmth in the palms, and they found that this helped insomnia. And you know, it occurred to me that the secret handshake involved uh, getting the sense of warmth in the palms. So who knows? That may have something to do with it too. Sometimes this meditation lasts, it sounds like, an hour for you. Does it take necessarily a certain number of minutes to complete, or is it variable? It, it's completely variable. Uh, I've just got a, uh, a routine that I, uh, that I use that uh, uh, you know, just works for me, uh, and, and there, are times when, you know, I, there are times when I skip the meditation entirely, 
and just go back to bed. And there are times when I I do a, a relatively brief one. But I found also that you know I've learned that with meditation, one of the things that uh, I need to to do is to not get concerned when my mind inevitably wanders and jumps around to all sorts of other uh, things and and uh, and loses the meditation focus. And I don't get concerned about that. And I and uh, again, this is just me. I don't think it necessarily works for everybody. But I do find that uh, 5-HTP seems to have, for me, a certain uh, problem-solving component to it. When I take 5-HTP at bedtime, uh, I found even before starting this meditation routine that something that had been bothering me or had been a problem frequently got uh, resolved in uh, the morning wake-up. And I now find in this meditation that my mind wanders and drifts and uh, ends up uh, bouncing around and and coming up with ideas for uh, 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 things I might do with my blog or things that I might do to uh, in other parts of my life. And uh, so, you know, the, if it's an hour, it's not an hour of solid meditation. It's, uh, it's some time spent uh, daydreaming uh, about other subjects, and, uh, and it all proves to be uh, helpful. If you'd like to be able to ask John a question, call toll-free 877-590-0733. We'll connect you in, and we'll be happy for you to be able to ask whatever questions you might have of him. John, you also do a progressive muscle relaxation regime. What is that all about? Well, it's, uh, I'd... I'd... I get any number of uh, health newsletters, and a recent one, I think it was a Harvard uh, health letter, had a description of uh, a progressive uh, uh, muscle relaxation technique, which I've uh, you know just adapted to, to for myself. And uh, uh, what 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 I've done is. Uh, I start with uh, uh, working my way up from my feet, and I start by uh, 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 just lifting my foot and uh, and tightening as tight as I can the toes on the foot, and hold that for uh, while breathing in and out for a count of five, and then I. Uh, uh, Slowly relax the muscles and uh, and uh, do another uh, relaxation count of five in and out breaths, and then I uh, I uh, uh, do the same thing, but this time spreading the toes as wide as possible, and and then I work my way up the body with uh, uh, tightening and relaxing. Uh, to a count of five, and with a, a relaxation interval of a count of five in between, and you know, for me, it uh, it seems to help. But I think everybody, uh, you know, uh, has to work out whatever uh, uh, seems to suit them best. I don't think there's any rigid uh, uh, rule that one has to follow. But I I think the evidence. Uh, is there that uh, any form of progressive muscle uh, relaxation uh, can help to uh, relieve tension and, and stress. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. My guest today is John Shappy. John, you have a pelvic floor exercise program for incontinence, which has been extremely helpful. Tell folks about that. Well, that... Uh, it came out of actually uh, another uh, exercise program that actually I found even more helpful. 
my neurologist, as I said, uh, uh, works out of Georgetown University Hospital. He recommended that I uh, use uh, their physical therapy department and a program they had there called B-I-G in capital letters, uh, BIG. It's uh, done, it's a program developed by the same people who developed the LOUD, uh, capital L, capital O, capital U, capital D, uh, program for people with Parkinson's to deal with the uh, uh, weakening voice problem that, uh, that people with Parkinson's frequently have. So they developed the LOUD program for voice, and then they developed the BIG program uh, for uh, for balance uh, uh, issues for people with Parkinson's. And uh, I found that program was very helpful. And my physical therapist there on that program mentioned that they also had a program at Georgetown uh, for dealing with incontinence that involved uh, pelvic floor exercise. So I uh, signed up for that program, too, and and found that uh, was a big help. I said my uh, nighttime bathroom visits, are, which had been three or four or more uh, of a night, now is, are down to one, and, uh, and the other daytime issues uh, related to incontinence are, um, are much less, and uh, and it's it, it's basically uh, just a uh, building upon the Kegel exercise that uh, was initially developed and mainly used by women dealing with incontinence issues, but it works just as well uh, with men. And uh, this, their program just uh, is a variation of the basic. Uh, Kegel exercise, uh, which is a tightening of the sphincter muscle, uh, much as you would do if you were uh, trying to cut off the flow of urine, and uh, it's just a uh, uh, repetition of, uh, of that exercise. People who might be interested in exploring this exercise or the progressive muscle relaxation regime can contact you uh, and get further help and support and information. How might they be able to do that, John? Well, they could, you know, certainly uh, go to the blog and uh, make a uh, comment on any of the postings in the blog, and I, I try and respond to every. Uh, every uh, comment that I receive on the blog. Uh, but they also could, uh, uh, if they wanted, uh, contact me by email directly. My email address is Gleason, G-L-E-E-S-O-N, the number four, at verizon.net. To talk with John right now, call 8 8- Seven seven five nine zero zero seven three three. It's toll free. One of the issues that you've begun to blog about on your website is dementia. Tell people what you've discovered about dementia as a result of all of the research you've been doing. Well, dementia, of course, is. Uh, I think I am not alone in saying that it's my biggest fear because, you know, you see what's happened, uh, for instance, with uh, Ronald Reagan being probably our our most prominent example, and of the struggle that uh, the family, um, Nancy Reagan being uh, the example of Ronald, the struggle the family goes through in dealing with... uh, a uh, person who has uh, dementia, uh, dementia being the umbrella term, which uh, uh, I think the 70-80% of what's under the umbrella term dementia is Alzheimer's, but there are other uh, 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 cognitive 
problems that come under the dementia uh, uh, umbrella as well. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I I just would not want to see my family have to go through that or see my financial resources, which I would like to go to my children and grandchildren and now great-grandchildren, being depleted by years of dealing with uh, serious uh, dementia. So it's, you know, a big, uh, big concern. And I've, I've, again, everything is so individualistic. I've have a, always had a strange memory. You know, I've been able to do well on school exams and things like that. But uh, I've always been troubled because even in my younger years, I would go to a movie and a month later, friends would be discussing the movie and I'd remember little about it. And the same about books I've read. So my... Uh, memory uh, deficiencies have always been a concern for me and then, uh, and you know now knowing that the instances of dementia uh increase if you have the likelihood of dementia increases if you have parkinsons uh people with parkinsons are i guess two or three times more likely to have dementia and people in the uh, uh, general population. So uh, uh, that's a concern, but uh, and actually it's one of the reasons that keeps me working on the blog and on Internet research and all, because you know, one of the recommendations on things you can do to uh, ward off or at least postpone dementia, if that's in your future, is to keep uh, as mentally active as you can and problem-solving and, uh, and uh, similar activities. And so that's one of the leading uh, recommendations for uh, trying to uh, ward off dementia. And so that gives me an added incentive to keep up with the, uh, the blogging and the research. You are now 80 years plus, and yet on your blog, 82 you 82 in a couple of weeks. 82 in a couple of weeks, so almost 82 youthful years of uh, living a wonderful and a magnificent life. You also say, however, that my first year of living with a Parkinson's diagnosis was the best year of my life. Talk about that. Well, uh, and I've seen this with, you know, others of my contemporaries. Uh, you know, retirement can be uh, very uh, good and enjoyable, but um, there's still a search with many of us for wanting to do something meaningful uh, with one's uh, later years, uh, as are, as with many of us for our earlier years. And uh, with the Parkinson's and with uh, uh, finding an opportunity to combine my uh, uh, interest and uh, enthusiasm for uh, research and writing, with an, the opportunity to uh, try and uh, uh, help others and join with others in, in a search for uh, uh, dealing with the issues of aging and afflictions uh, has given a, a focus and a meaning to my life that uh, hadn't been, uh, been present before. And uh, so... Uh, and uh, and then I think, you know, uh, realizing that uh, I could deal with the, the depression and, uh, and other issues that I was experiencing with, uh, before the diagnosis and deal with them in a positive way 
uh, has uh, has made my life uh, uh, truly uh, satisfying and enjoyable today. Some of the people listening to this radio show today have just been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. What would you now want to say to them as a person who has heard that news about a year and a half or now almost two years ago? Well, certainly that uh, there's no reason to believe that uh, that uh, you're destined for a immediate life of uh, of handicap and pain and uh, and uh, inability to uh, uh, enjoy life. That there, uh, Parkinson's uh, again is so idiosyncratic that it uh, uh, everybody's progress uh, down the Parkinson's road differs. But uh, the signs are, and uh, you and I talked about this briefly before the show, there are so many encouraging signs now uh, that uh, that ways there's probably not going to be in my lifetime an immediate cure for Parkinson's, but they're finding all sorts of ways, and you know, some of them we've discussed it, uh, uh, just now, of dealing with the symptoms of Parkinson's to make it uh, uh, manageable and something you know more akin to uh, diabetes, say, where you have it but you can still lead a, uh, a good quality life uh, with it, and uh, uh, and it's not a, a death sentence or a handicap sentence by any any means. What are your plans for the future? Well, uh, since uh, last year was the most enjoyable of my uh, <laughs> year of my life, I plan to keep on doing more of the same. Uh, yeah. One of the in, in my earlier years, and actually uh, the last several years, uh, biking was a big part of my life, and uh, any any nice. Uh, day uh, in Washington or elsewhere, you would find me getting on my bike, and, and uh, I used to commute to work by bike, and, uh, and I've always, you know, spent most of my uh, spare time in good weather biking. But with the Parkinson's uh, balance problems and, uh, and you know, age and all, uh, even though I can still do a limited amount of biking, it's not the uh, central focus of my extracurricular activities as it used to be. But in the past, because of my uh, obsession with biking, uh, the my garden at home uh, came in second, and, uh, and I didn't spend a lot of time on that. But now that uh, the uh, biking has... Uh, left an empty spot in my uh, obsessive uh, tendencies. I'm uh, uh, really throwing myself into gardening. I'm standing here now in my upstairs office den, looking out at uh, my backyard with the uh, pond and the fountain going and the uh, uh, plantings that I put in last year. And, And I didn't keep records on what I was doing last year and uh, with my usual tendency to overdo everything I was putting all sorts of things in the ground that I'm going to be surprised to see as they pop up this year Uh, but I'm I found that to be uh, a new love of my life John you and I also have a number of uh common reasons why we're bonded together. We both went to Cornell. I also was born in Washington, D.C., and uh, spent the first year of my life living in Washington, D.C. My mother worked for the uh, Secretary of the Navy, 
and she would walk uh, from her apartment in D.C. across the White House lawn, and every morning she would wave happily to the butler, who was always standing at the door, (laughs) on her way to the War Department. Times times have changed. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, (coughs) security in Washington is a lot different today than it uh, it was in in her day, and uh, you know. Earlier days that I can, I can remember. I, I can remember just using a uh, my membership card in the uh, in a periodical press gallery to get into the rotunda for the uh, lying in state of uh, uh, John F. Kennedy uh, during that uh, momentous weekend. And you know today. Uh, you couldn't just wave a, a membership card like that and uh, and get yourself into a, a, a situation like that. Times have indeed changed. My mother uh, told a story about when she was working in the War Department during World War II when all of the admirals were complaining that they had to get picture IDs that they would wear. They they normally just walked right in and there was no barrier whatsoever. <laughs> and I guess there was a lot of disgruntlement that they had to wear actual IDs. John Chappie's blog address is, get your pencils out, http colon forward slash forward slash the word Parkinson's and A-N-D 5-H-T-P dot blog spot b l o g s p o t dot c o m and he'll be blogging there uh, most recently he's been blogging about dementia and uh, revealing all of what he's discovered in his internet research about what you can do to be able to fend off the possibility of mental degeneration you can also reach him at his email address john do you want to tell people once more what that address is Yes, it's Gleason, spelled G-L-E-E-S-O-N, the numeral four, at verizon.net. And also, uh, on, on the blog, you, people that don't want to go uh, remember or write down that long uh, blog address, if you just Google Chappie Parkinson, You'll get a, a link to the the blog uh, just by googling those two words, and that's and that, Chappie spelled S C H A P P I. That word S C H A P P I, and then also enter the word Parkinson's, Parkinson's and you'll be that, able to find that'll that up, website. That'll come up with the the link, I think, right away. That sounds great. So if you'd like to be able to get additional information from John, you can either connect to him through the website or connect directly to his email address. For those of you who just uh, decided to start listening to the show today, he's got some incredible natural suggestions for anyone who's confronted issues of insomnia or incontinence and also depression. So if you're looking for alternatives that are natural and safe, he would be an incredible resource, a person who's found some solutions that have worked beautifully for him. John, as he's also uh, recounted, has uh, tried a number of prescription medications that have not succeeded. So if you happen to be in that particular position and are looking for other solutions, Uh, Listen to the whole show, Uh, go visit his blog, and also feel free to actually contact him directly to get additional guidance and information about some of the natural and most powerful techniques he has found that are making a huge difference in his ability to leave a vibrant, active life. The best year, as it turned out, was last year, the first year of his Parkinson's diagnosis. John, thank you so much for being a guest on the radio show today. Thank you, Robert, and uh, thank you for all the good work you've been doing. It is a high honor and a privilege, John. Thank you. And for those of you that haven't heard, the final 
second edition of Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease is hot off of the press. I actually released the first edition last year in 2010. I updated that over the past 12 months with some of the exciting discoveries that we have been able to uncover and unearth as a result of my research on the Internet and in libraries and on the radio show and on conversations with incredible resources like John Chappie. So I've, in essence, integrated all that I have learned in Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. The book captures what we have learned are causes of the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's, and the book also covers the many different natural therapies that people have discovered are making a huge difference in their ability to get sustained relief from their symptoms. We also have a number of uh, answers to questions that people have asked me over the last three or four years that are also included in the book. For further information, you can uh, phone call the long-distance number, 877-526-4646. Feel free to email me, robert at parkinsonsrecovery.com or visit the website that describes the contents of the book that has now just been finished, the second edition for 2011. And that website is www.parkinsonsdisease.me. And that's what is happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the men are handsome, all the women are smart, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show that you are indeed on the road to recovery. We look forward to connecting and joining with you live next Wednesday, 3 p.m., when we will connect with the Foot Whisperer. Good day.